0: Well, my name is John. I volunteer here at East Point on your financial board and just wanted to bring you an update. Uh, The job of the board, there's four of us that serve on the board with Kurt and uh, Suzanne Guthrie. Our job is to bring financial accountability and guidance to the church and to Kurt and to give him a sounding board as we go through uh, various seasons in the church. Well, we're at a season where we're currently in a position... Uh, that we're outside of our normal range, outside of our normal boundaries uh, in relationship to our budget. So I just wanted to bring that as an update to you today uh, to let you know where we are and where we need to be. But before I do that, I did want to take a minute to thank those. There was 179 people uh, last week that stepped up after Kurt's message on the building fund and gave in addition to what maybe they already have or maybe they never have – Uh, So thank you very much for that, very much appreciate that. Still a ways to go, would encourage if that inspired you or you feel inspired to give, we really want you to. We'd love to be in our new space by Christmas to bring our guests and our families into our new home. That would be a most awesome thing to do. All right, on to the update. Uh, What we've seen since we initiated the building fund project is uh, about the same amount of giving right along. It's just that now it's divided into two buckets. There's an overall slight increase, but not in relationship to the amount of money that was actually given to the building fund. So the impact that that has is that um, it obviously cuts into our operating budget. And specifically, uh, I want you to know that we are on a pay-as-you-go basis. If the income does not come in, we cut expenses accordingly. Now I know that's shocking, in this day and age, that people actually live to their income. But to be responsible stewards, we feel it's a mandate by God that we live within our means. So as the means fluctuate, so do our expenses. Uh, And I just, again, this is an update. I just want to let you know where we are and the kind of impact that this has. Uh, The specific impact that we have to our operating budget based on our current revenue is that we've had to cut pretty deep. Uh, We've actually tapped into our reserve fund we keep a reserve fund, we think that that's good stewardship to have an emergency fund to give us a little elasticity for summer months when giving drops and so forth. We've dipped into that beyond what we feel comfortable with. Uh, So that was step one. Step two, uh, just to give you an idea of the heart of the people that work here, the staff members, uh, the senior leadership team came to Kurt voluntarily and said, look, our budget is such that We might have to lay off people. We would rather take a 10% reduction in pay. So they did that along with Kurt. They've taken a 10% hit so they wouldn't have to lay off people. Yeah. Thank you very much. And that was completely voluntary. And so you understand the context. They did that. They've had three years running with no raises. I do want you to let that sink in. not had any raises for three years. We've just not been able to do that as much as we want to. It breaks our heart, but we are committed to living within our means. Probably the worst of all is we actually had to stop spending on ministry in November. All right. So October, usually what happens, summer dies down with attendance and giving. September, things pick up. So we anticipated that increase. We saw the increase in numbers but the giving didn't coincide with that. So as a result, we had to make these these cuts and one of those cuts was ministry uh, expenses. Now, just so you know that we're not on the Titanic and we're not just rearranging deck chairs, okay? All is not lost. We are paying attention. And what I want you to get is the good news. The good news is we're not very far from our budget, all right? Actually, we're so close and we run such a tight organization that the difference between making it and not making it literally right now is $5 a week per person, per adult, not children, but per adult, $5 a week. I think what we miss sometimes is the impact we have in in terms of our scale, the numbers of people, and in terms of faithfulness, being regular givers and attenders. What it means, if you think about it, we have 1,000 adults. If each of those 1,000 adults gave $5 a week, Times four weeks in a month—that's twenty thousand dollars. Five dollars is a cup of coffee to you. Five dollars to this organization is a ten percent reduction in pay. Okay. I was going to pull out all my Italian Catholic guilt stuff I was raised with, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, so the shortfall that we have is very doable. It's—I mean, it's—it's it's right there. It's within reach. It's not something that's so far out there that we can't accomplish. It's it's a cup of coffee every week. Uh, But I'd like to go beyond that. I want to just take a minute and paint a vision for you and bring you into a greater vision than $5 a week. And that has to do with the concept of this regular giving. God in the Old Testament laid out a principle called tithing, which is nothing more than regular, faithful giving to support your local church. And by local church, I mean East Point, the church you attend that you call your church home. That's what tithing is. In the Old Testament, it was based on law, where it was 10%. And by golly, if you didn't give, someone knocked on your door to get your 10% of the basil that you grew last month. So it was a big deal, and it was a law, and it was an obligation. When Jesus came, he changed that. He said, It's no longer 10%, I'm giving it to you as a choice. The other thing that he did is he changed the motivation. He moved it from an obligation to a gift. He wanted us to give out of love instead of obligation. Obligation says, I have to give. I have to serve. I have to, have to, have to. Love says, I want to. When you think about your first love, wherever that was in your life, I can almost remember it. Um, you did things because you wanted to. Spending extra time, doing little acts of service, bringing flowers, spending extravagantly on a dinner was exciting. You wanted to because you were in love. God has called us into a love relationship and our giving, our serving, our actions, our thoughts, our words should be springing out of that wellspring of love, not obligation, Completely off notes here. So, meaning that, follows, uh, that following him and obeying him would be out of love, not obligation. So why don't we give as a people totally in love with God? I have what I believe are three key reasons. Jessica, if you could bring up the picture. There they are. They're not really biblical characters, but a great illustration of what I'm trying to drive to. I think you all remember the movie. If you're too young to remember, ask your grandpa, grandma. They'll remember it. Uh, there were three things these people were after, besides uh, the star of the show who just wanted to get home. Uh, the other three were looking for something a little more profound. They were looking for courage. They were looking for a heart. And they were looking for a brain, which God knows I could use most times. The thing that I want to draw the, the parallel to here is the courage, I think so much, we are blocked by fear. And for good reason. There really are lions and tigers and bears out there. Oh, my. That's right. (laughs) That's exactly right. I mean, you look at our recession, you look at the Euro collapse or near collapse, you look at the Chinese propping up their economy, you know, it's a false monetary system, really. It's scary. It actually is scary. And there's no condemnation in being fear. It's just that Jesus came to set the captives free. And fear is a very captive, holding, imprisoning kind of thing. Secondly, our hearts. I think it's very easy today. It's very easy for me. I've been in business now for a little over 40 years. And it's very easy to grow cynical. What I believe the Bible refers to as a hard heart. I mean, you look at the CEOs and how they misappropriate funds. The day traders, the Ponzi schemes. I hate to say this, but even our government has occasionally been known to overspend. (laughs) No politics here, just fact, okay? And worst of all, we see it happen in church leadership, where money was misappropriated periodically. It's hard to trust. It's hard to have that sense of getting behind something and really going with it, having that faith. But God has said, I want to give you a heart of flesh in place of your heart of stone. He wants us to have a soft heart. And finally, a brain. I wasn't sure exactly where to go with this, but um, I think probably the appropriate place to go is it's very easy for us to rationalize things. We break out our logic. We line up all the whys we shouldn't give, why we can't give, why we can't serve, why we don't have time. Really easy to do. I get it. I do it regularly. So again, no condemnation, just a fact. I think those three things are really difficult for us. And God came and said and talked about, and I believe it's in Romans, the renewing of our minds. He wants to renew our minds. He wants to give us a soft heart. He wants to give us courage and faith. So what do you do? You follow the yellow brick road. Of course, that's what you do. You pray. Because giving is a privilege, because God only wants cheerful givers, he doesn't want givers out of obligation or condemnation. He wants your heart. He wants it to come out of your heart. You need to pray. You need to ask God, help me, release me from my fear. God, I'm scared to death to give anything more. Help me not to rationalize. Soften my heart for you, Lord. Get on your face and pray. If you have a spouse, you need to come in one accord on this. It can be a really divisive thing, and because it's so important, the enemy will definitely attack you. So definitely get on your face with your spouse and ask God, what should I do? How, what do you want me to do here, Lord? Change me. Renew me. So back to the vision. Where could we go beyond the $5? I did some research around the Census Bureau uh, figures, and they actually have the Spokane Valley carved out. You can actually do this by zip code. It was really cool. I'm kind of a geek that way. You can get on and look, and based on the average per capita income in the Spokane Valley, if everyone did just the Old Testament version, which really, I think, is the minimum because God, Jesus raised the bar on everything that he brought forward out of the Old Testament, like adultery. He said, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. I tell you, if you even think of a woman in lustfully, you've committed adultery. He's raised the bar on all of it. Read Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount. Back up. So, if we go beyond to do just the minimum of the Old Testament 10%, we would have, and I want this to sink in, we would literally have an excess, over a healthy operating budget, $1.3 million to invest in our community. That's a lot of diapers for single moms. That's a training center for single moms to get employment. That's counseling. That's so much we could do. $1.3 million if we just did the minimum of 10%. I'm running out of time. I'm going to get the hook. I appreciate your indulgence in this. Again, I just want to leave you. Just go home and pray. Don't do anything out of obligation. But seek the Lord. This is an area in our culture that I believe is truly one of our idols. It's truly one of our false gods that we have to wrestle to the ground. Give it to the Lord. Ask him to move on your hearts. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Kurt? Thank
1: you, John. Thanks, buddy. Love you, man. I love and appreciate each of our board members and uh, their hearts for this church, their willingness to serve. They all invest a lot of time and energy and money and uh, have given all that great deal. And I did not uh, give John that little talk. He wanted to present a board report, and I appreciate John. Thank you for doing that. Um, in probably five times in 35 years of being in a, a teaching role, I've gone a different direction than I had prepared. Uh, so I'm going to do that today we're going to the notes that you have in your hands fold them up put them away or use a blank page because we're going to go a different direction this morning it's just something I felt the Lord put on my heart and then confirmed it as John was speaking so uh, I need to pray and uh, let's pray together father I I thank you for this church I thank you for these people I thank you for the call and the challenge you've given to us to reach this city and beyond God I thank you that it really is about people and it's about you And, Lord, I pray that you would fix our eyes on you today in a way that perhaps we have drifted from and that you would remind us today, Lord, of the reason why, that it's all about people. It's all about reaching those who need you. And so, Lord, turn our hearts and our eyes and our minds to you today. Help me as I step into this in faith, uh, trusting you to speak through me this morning. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I uh, really do have a message prepared, and it's a good one. That's a joke. You can laugh. It's all right. Relax. Uh, we'll get to that another time, but um, I, uh, this morning when I was praying before uh, the service, which I usually come down here pretty early and had some time just to pray. I uh, felt like the Lord was doing one of those times where he said, come here, Kurt, I, I want to show you something, I want you to go a different direction. And I'm going to land on Proverbs 3 this, today, if you've got your Bible with you, you might want to open up to Proverbs the, th- the third chapter. And Part of the verses I'm going to land on there are very familiar to a lot of us, uh, probably the most familiar verses in uh, Proverbs. But I'm going to expand that beyond just the verse 5 and 6, which is fairly well known, all the way through verse 9 or 10, I think. And um, i got to tell you, before we get into it, someone asked me recently, uh, and it's a friend of mine who's, who uh, I love and appreciate deeply. He said, hey, what, what, what have you been learning recently? Now, I love friends of mine who will ask me that question, because it challenges me to stop and think, what have I been learning? Uh, you know, sometimes we get into the habits of just kind of walking through the motions and doing things and... And to stop and pause and think, what has God been teaching me? And it was great that he asked the question. It was a great conversation. And the first thing that came to my mind when he said to me, what have you been learning? It was the word trust. Uh, A year ago, November 6, 2010, so just over a year ago, in this auditorium, as I was praying on a Saturday night, uh, I had one of those times where we were, some of you remember, we were uh, had made the decision that we were going to move forward with the auditorium, that we were going to move forward accepting the... The, uh, the challenge that we were going to take the, the uh, uh, lease and revise it and rework it. And we had a list of about 18 things that were all miraculous that we were asking for. We knew that it was in the shadow of the Great Recession to step into a building remodel plan was crazy. I know that. it was, It's was like, Lord, this is not the right time. But it was one of those things where God set this in motion, confirmed it in multiple ways through multiple people, both pastors of my life, peers, the board, and said, yes, do this. But I stood in here and prayed on November 6, 2010, walked around this room, and to be honest with you, I was scared to death. And uh, if that bothers you that your pastor has moments of fear, well, get over it, because I do. And uh, I had, I just, it was like, uh, everything in me, it was like, God, I, I don't know what it's going to take and how we're going to do this, and I know the economy, and, and I know what's going on, and I know the challenges, I know what's going to cost, and, uh, and I had one of those moments where I, I suddenly had, and I will call it a supernatural gift of faith, where God just deposited something in my heart at that moment, that would be hard to describe for you, and, and I, if I had thought of it, I would have brought the folder in, because I have a little note folder where I have my message notes kept in, and I wrote in that note folder, put the date down, I said, I will, I will trust God, I will not fear, I will hold on to Him, I will pursue Him, no matter what, I'm going to keep following you. And it, that was the essence of what I wrote in that little blue folder, which I still have. In fact, it's sitting in my desk right now in, the, in my office. And it was one of those moments where God spoke to me, Kurt, you can trust me. I'm, tr- I'm worthy of your trust. You can believe in me. I'm worthy of that. You can lean on me. I know common sense would say, don't do that now. Don't go there now. I know that common sense would say, in the light of where we're at since 2008, I mean, how many of you have been rolling the dough since 2008? Yeah, none of us. It's all. It's been tight. It's been tough. And we're bombarded with all the fear, like John mentioned, all the, all the news, all the things that happen all the time. And that was the first experience I had uh, about a year ago regarding this facility. It wasn't the last. Then I found out uh, that my kids were pregnant. The, the children, uh, my, my son who lives in Portland, Nathan Brooke, and uh, they were pregnant with her. actually, her fourth child, and the third child, uh, Phineas. Uh, um, actually, the second child, Phineas, uh, died at, at about an hour after he was born. And uh, again, I'm just being transparent and real honest with you. When I found out they were pregnant, I wish I could just go, yeah, that's awesome. But my first thought, why do we always tend to go to fear first? My first thought was, oh, God, I hope this baby's okay. I hope this baby survives. Man, it was hard. And the entire pregnancy, I prayed, oh. Uh, she had the baby in um, August. Uh, it was it March? Okay. My wife, I'm, I'm looking at her. It's, this is what happens when, when I don't have notes, and this is why I keep looking at her. Honey, am I, am I right? Yeah, anyway, she had the baby, and it was so amazing to me um, to, to enter in that experience and, again, to, to be called upon to trust in God. Well, a few months later, as you know, I found out that I had prostate cancer, and, again, I had to face the trust issue. Will I trust God? Will I survive this? Is this the end? Is my life over? I mean, you know, prostate cancer, if you're going to get cancer, is one of the better ones to get, but still, It's cancer. And all those questions and all those things. And it's been, then I found out about my dad, my stepdad dying, and, and my uncle dying. it's just been that kind of year for me. And over and over and over and over and over, I cannot tell you, hundreds of times, and I am not exaggerating, this is not pastor speak, this is not exaggeration, hundreds of times I have been drawn back to this passage in, in Proverbs 3. I've laid in, in bed at night meditating on this, this passage over and over again. Because it's drawn me back over and over again to trust in Him. Proverbs 3, 5. Let me pick it up here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. And all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. And those are the two verses that are fairly well known among Christians for if you've been around any length of time. And it's the it's it's the it's the it's the great news. Trust in Him. But it goes on, do not be wise in your own eyes. Don't think you've got all things figured out. Fear the Lord. Again, look to him, fear the Lord, and shun evil. And here's the promise when we do this this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. You'll actually experience physical results from trusting in God. We all know the physical results of not trusting in God. What does worry create after a while? Big holes in your belly called ulcers, and high blood pressure, and all sorts of other problems. But when you trust him, you'll have health to your body and nourishment to your bones. And then he says in verse 9, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. And I think one of the reasons why verse 9 and 10 is there, which is not as well known connected to verse 5 and 6, is because when the Lord says, trust in me, what do most of us think of first? One of two things in my experience, and I mean personally my experience. We think of our health or we think of our money. Trust in me, but God, my body is broken. I've got problems physically. I've got issues. Or we think of money. Trust. No, the Lord says, trust in me. I want to break down for you, and as I have spent, like I said, uh, many, many nights and lots of times thinking about these passages, let me break down for you the, the wisdom of Solomon here, what he says. When he says trust in the Lord, what he's saying is put your confidence in him. To trust is to say, I'm going to place my hope, my confidence, my faith, my belief. And we all put it in something. Everyone right here, sitting here and watching online, you too trust something. You either trust yourself, your ability to figure it out, you know, your ability to get it done, your ability to, to grab control and to do whatever needs to be done. You trust somebody else, honey, fix this, you know, or, or, or your boss. or You trust somebody. All of us trust someone. We put our hope, our, our, our confidence in someone or something. Sometimes, unfortunately, we put it in things that are not healthy for us. And we, we put our trust, well, I, I, I'm going to just put my trust in money. And I'm going to trust in that. And, and I'm going to put my hope that. But there are other places in the Bible where it says money is a, is a frivolous a fruit. Is a, it's not a good thing to put your hope in because it, it comes and it goes. But the first call is trust. But he doesn't just say trust. He says trust in the Lord. Put your hope in him. Put your confidence in him. Put your focus and fix your eyes and trust in the Lord. And then he says, and then he measures the trust with these important words, with all your heart. Anybody here besides me find that hard to do sometimes? I, I have never met a Christian, never, who would say, I, I don't, I'm not supposed to trust in God. We all get that we're to trust in God. Not one of us would say, no, I'm not. He, I, no, we get the fact that we're called to trust him. The struggle, the point of contention, the point of challenge for us is that next little phrase with all your heart. Remember, I talked, in fact, recently about our heart being who we are our soul, our emotions, our thoughts, our desires. And the word says, Trust in the Lord with all that you are, all of your heart. And I find that an ongoing, I I will probably never get to the point in my life where that's a done deal and I can. Move on and not have to work on that anymore. I'm pretty sure that for the rest of my life on this planet, as long as I'm in this earth, I'm going to be wrestling through that part of it. Will I trust Him? Trust the Lord with all your heart. And then here's the struggle lean not on your own understanding. Don't put your confidence in your ability to figure things out. I have had on more than one occasion someone say, I don't understand why we're doing the remodel thing and finances are tight and people are unemployed and things aren't going well and blah, 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 blah. And I say, welcome to my world. I do. It's like, yeah, I, I, I don't understand a lot of it either. And if you don't think I'm being honest there, then you don't know me. I'm, I'm telling you, there have been many times where God and I have had long conversations about that. God, I don't get this. What, this doesn't? Why now? Why here? Why? And the only answer I keep getting is trust in me. And by the way, trust always requires something beyond what we can know and on our own. If I could get there without God, would I need to trust in him? Good answer, no. If I could do it, if we could do it on our own, would we need to trust in him? No. If it made perfect sense to to everyone and everybody got it, and of course, well, duh, we've got a million dollar surplus in our budget, let's expand. That doesn't require trust. That doesn't require anything on our part at all. But what God says, trust in me with all your heart. Lean not on, on your understanding. What he's saying is, guys, maybe I know things you don't know. Maybe I see things you don't see. Maybe I have a plan that's bigger than your plan. Maybe I know that the very po- point of contention for you, fear, is where I that's the thing I want to, to crush out of you. Not hurt you, but I want to squeeze that so that it, it leaves your system. I want to, I want, I want you to learn at that very point of fear. To put your hope in me because that's where you're going to grow. That's where you grow best. In my experience of walking with Jesus for nearly 40 years, you know when I grow best is in times that are hard. When times are are really difficult. When I have to face the death of my grandson Phineas and and, and not have any answers. God, I prayed and I, I don't understand why. And you trust when I get a diagnosis of cancer, God, what I'm 54 years old. Give me a break. Old farts are supposed to get this, not young guys like me. And I have these talks with God. God, what's going on here? I hope I've got like 30 years left at least. And I'm looking to a lot of questions. And, but it was in those times, those moments, those points of agony that I grew the most. When I wrestle. In relationship with my wife and yes occasionally we have fights and we have times that are not peachy king hunky-dory times when I don't even really like her and a lot more times where she doesn't like me trust me on that you know what those are the times where we grow the most if you know what if you've been there you know what I'm talking about people who just bail when things get ugly don't get it because they're not growing They're short circuiting. They're circumventing the very thing God wants to do to bring change and life, to bring hope, to bring strength to what was perhaps a point of weakness before. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, it says, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. What does that mean? That means, Lord, in this day what I have to do, I'm I'm going to I, I acknowledge that I can't do this without you. God, in this challenge facing me right now, God, I, I, I admit humbly and quickly admit that I cannot get there. I can't get from here to there without you. God, in the challenge that I face in, in my business or my finances, there's no way I can figure this all out on my own. And so I'm going to acknowledge you. I'm going to put you first in that situation and trust in you. I'm going to acknowledge you. I'm going to give you your just due. When it goes on here in verse uh, 9, it talks about honor the Lord with first fruits. You, you think, well, that's kind of an Old Testament concept. We, hey, we don't have fruits. we got paychecks. And what does that all mean? Well, the concept, the principle there is that we, we don't just give God our leftovers. We don't take care of everything else, all our bills, all our stuff, all our expenses, everything we want to do, all our whatever, and then, well, i guess got 10 bucks left. I'll give it to God. First fruits, the principle is, no, you start with Him. If you're acknowledging Him, if you're putting Him first, if you're, if you're putting Him in His rightful place in your life, as it goes on, then that looks like this. You honor Him with your first fruits, with the very first. For the, from the day we've been married, and before that, in my personal experience, I've always, my, my, my check, my, and I give above a tithe, by the way, but above, I always that's not been the last thing, the check I write. That's, not, that's the first thing. That, I don't give to God out of my leftovers. I don't give to him what, whatever I might have left after I've taken care of everything. We've always, we have always lived that way. We've acknowledged him. One of the things that I have uh, experienced because of the finances with the, the church and my personal finances with the medical expenses, you know what it costs for three days in the, in the hospital? thank like God we had insurance, $37,000 bill for three days in the hospital. Like, what did they do to me? You know, it's, it's just astounding. I mean, our, I, I, not to wax political again, but our medical system is just whacked. If things are out of control here. It's just insane. How do you spend $37,000 in really two and a half days in a hospital? I don't even understand that. Okay, I'll, off my eye, I'll be yours. Back to the real world here. We, we, and as I told you guys a year ago, and if you've been around here, know that we felt like the Lord told us to trust in him with all our hearts. And we emptied our savings account to, to give to the building fund. And we did that with joy. And not with this one ounce of obligation. We wanted to. And we just did it. And said, okay, God, this is, this is an easy call. You called us. We're going to trust you. We did it. And it was awesome. But then I get sick. And then I got medical bills. And then I got stuff going on. And I'm thinking, wow, Lord. And then, you know, and the Lord began, he provided for us and things were happening. And then I began to pray. And I'm telling you, this is, this kind of stuff just blows my mind. If you don't think there's a God, man, some talk to me because I can tell you a thousand stories. Well, how are you going to explain this outside of the miraculous God working in our lives? We started to pray. And God, we wanted to give to the building fund again this month to be able to give to the Lord. And I started praying for twenty five hundred dollars, and I had this much money. I had nothing, and I started praying, Lord, if you give me twenty five hundred bucks, I want, I want, I want to give that. That's my heart. Please give it. And I started thinking, well, I could maybe I could sell this, or I could sell a kidney, or I could do that, and and I'm and I'm walking through different options and trying to leaning on my own understanding. Okay, well, I, maybe I can figure out a way. But we just kept praying. I got a call from Suzanne, our business manager. She said, hey, I got a check in my hand. I said, great, that's good news. I said, what's the point? She said, well, it's made out to you. And some guy came by and she gave me his name and she said, he had a couple of books that he borrowed from you a long time ago and I don't even think he goes to our church but he just dropped off a check made out to you for $2,500. Yeah. I kid you not. I kid you not. And he just said, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to do this and to make it out to Kurt. I deposited that check. Three days later, I wrote a check to East Point for $2,500. That's the way God works. That's what he does. And that's what blows. When you put him first, and I have lived there, I could tell you story after story after story. I know John and I, we've talked. We, there's great stories. This guy, we, people who've lived there, where they trust in the Lord with all their heart. They don't lean on their understanding. They acknowledge him in all their ways. And they put him first. They live that principle of first fruits. Which, by the way, for those of you who think that's Old Testament, go to Matthew 6.33. <laughs> Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. New Testament principle of first fruits right there, Matthew 6.33. Trusting him is hard. But when we do, when we acknowledge him, when we walk with him, amazing things can happen. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And here's the promise. Then he will make your path straight. Trust in him. Acknowledge him. And then he will make your path straight is the last part of verse 6. Well, what does that mean? What? God's going to make my path straight. You know what it means? It means, and, and I'm going to paraphrase. Here's a boob nut paraphrase version right here. Here it comes. And this is, this, this is truth. God's going to get you where you need to be. Making our path straight means instead of wandering all over God's green earth, lost, confused, going every which way but his way, when we do these things, he makes the path straight. It's a clear path. It's an obvious path. It's a blessed path. And he will get you. And that's, for me, he, it means he will get you where you need to be. I know. I talk with people. I, I had a guy come up to me a few weeks ago. And I he said, would you pray with me? I'm unemployed. My unemployment checks are about to run out. And he asked me a question. And he said, I need to ask you something. I really don't want to ask you because I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask you anyhow. Should I be giving, tithing off my unemployment checks? (laughs) And I smiled. And I said, well, let me ask you a question. What would be the trustful thing to do? That's not the answer I wanted. Just tell me yes or no. (laughs) I said, no, I'm going to tell you this. Do whatever represents and reflects trust in your heart. He said, God, I knew you were going to say that. He said, I know what I'm supposed to do. And, and as far as I know, he started doing that. And here's my conviction. Here's my belief. I honestly believe that though he has struggled for weeks to find employment and can't find work, I, I'm looking forward to hearing him say, the Lord made my path straight. I began to honor him first. I began to trust in him with all my heart. I began a journey that really was beyond my understanding, and I've acknowledged him, and i put my hope in him, and I'm trusting in him, and I'm believing in him, and I, I'm looking forward to hearing his testimony, how God got him exactly where he needs to be. God's not done with us. His plan for this church goes way beyond anything we can imagine. And last night in my prayer time, when I always pray for our services in the church, I, uh, I didn't get to come down here. It was a wedding and snow and blah, blah, blah. So I went into my home office and did a bunch of 360s in my little office. or walking around and praying. And I was praying about this, this service again, this time this morning. And the thing that hit me last night again, and I thought, and I knew what John was going to do, that he was going to bring a board report somehow. And that I, I knew, believe me, Guys, I am not an idiot. Well, sometimes I, I am an idiot. But generally speaking, I'm not, I'm not really stupid. I, I understand what he shared can be challenging, what I'm sharing can be challenging. I understand that for some of you it's pushing buttons because you've been abused somewhere or you've got some false belief that, it, you, know, that you know, you might notice there's no chandeliers or, or you know, million-dollar organs anywhere around here. So it's not like anybody's getting fat off of the, the sacrifices you guys make. But I began to pray last night, God, please help them understand why this is so important. Help them understand what John was going to bring. And now I didn't know what I was going to do, but that what I'm sharing is so important. And you know what hit me? I started, I mean, I, flashing through my mind hundreds and hundreds of faces. Many of your faces started to flash through my mind of lives that have been changed and touched because of a place called East Point. Marriages that have been healed. People who were lost and were far from God. And now they love him. Do they have a ways to grow? Yeah, we all do. But they love him. Single moms who show up here every week. Dozens of them. And some of them don't go to church here yet. And we don't make them come to receive what we offer. And yet I see them every Thursday. I see them. And I would see their faces. And I say hi. And I smile. I want them to know they're loved here. A woman who came up to me a few weeks ago, and she said, I'm gay. Am I, am I accepted here? Would I be loved here? And I said, honey, I, I'm glad you're here. Jesus is glad you're here. And, I, you know, and, and I, that part of me that wants to, because that, that, I know something, well, I hope you told her that we don't accept her sin. No, I didn't. Because, you know what I said to her? I said, I, my prayer for you is that you'll experience everything Jesus wants for you right here. And I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. And if you happen to be sitting here this morning, no, I love you. And I, what I said to you, I meant. I, I hugged you because I'm glad you're here. And I believe Jesus will touch you and that he'll bring hope and, 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 and a radical new perspective on what he wants for you. Lives, people, hundreds. And last night, hundreds of faces just flashing through my mind. And my prayer for you is that you'll understand that it's really not just about money, guys. Unfortunately, in our culture and in our lives, that's where the point of trust comes. That's where the rub comes. And I think that's why about one out of seven things Jesus had to say had to do with money, because he gets, he gets that. He knows that where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. and that There's a rub. There's a challenge. That it's really, 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 really hard to trust God when you are looking at red ink, and, and, and wondering how you're going to get what you need. But when we understand that it's really not just about money, that ultimately what it's about is advancing the kingdom of God. Ultimately what it's about is lives. It's about people. And I'm going to finish with this. What's one soul worth to you? I, I, I No, what's one soul worth to you? How much would you give to see your husband your wife, your kids? Your neighbors? How much is their life worth? It's not just about money. It's not just about paying the bills, paying the salaries. Every staff member here will tell you we're about one thing, changing people. That's why we're here. That's why we do what we do. And that's why we'll take a 10% cut. We'll take another 10% cut. We'll do whatever we have to. I'll live in my office if I have to, to change lives. John, I'm asking you to come back up and pray for us, would you? Bow your heads and let's pray together. He didn't know I was going to do this either, but pray for us,
0: Johnny. A day of surprises. <laughs> Father... Um you heard my prayer this morning, I'm just gonna make that my prayer now. The point of today, if from my perspective, is that you would set the captives free, Lord God. We are all captive at some level of sin in our life. We are all captive to something that hangs onto us that we just can't break away from, whether it's money, whether it's pornography, whether it's anger, or drugs or alcohol, or whether it's, I don't know, sometimes just the smallest thing, Father, that becomes a big thing in our life. I pray right now, Father, that you would put your hand on each individual in this room and set the captives free by the power invested in us through the release of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray that. We pray for freedom. You said you came for freedom's sake to set us free. Thank you, Lord.
1: If you're here today, I'm asking ask you to keep your head bowed and eyes closed just for a moment. And on the tag of that prayer, man, if you're here and you've not experienced the freedom that comes from forgiveness, if you've not experienced the freedom that comes from grace, if you've not experienced the freedom that comes from relationship with a living God through his son, Jesus Christ, then I want you to know that freedom can be yours today. And you're thinking, well, you know, this church, they're all about money. No, we are not. We're all about pointing people to Jesus, pointing them to the Savior, to the one who can give them life. And that's what we want for you more than anything. We want you to know that you are loved, that you can be forgiven, that you can leave this place radically transformed from the inside out. You can leave here free today. And so I'm going to pray a simple prayer right now. And if this is your heart, this is your desire, this is what you want to do, if this is what you would like, then I'm going to pray this simple prayer and ask you just to make my words yours right now. Father, I need you. I have sinned. I have failed. And I need to be free. I need to be set free right now from my past, from my sin, from that, that, that guy and that gal I don't want to be. And I want to become new. I want to be brand new in you. And so I I don't get all the the way, how, all the stuff related. I don't get all the theology. But what I do get right now is you love me and that you can change me. And so I come and bring you my life, my all, my sin, my past, my present, my future. I surrender it all to you. And I, in this moment, acknowledge I need you, I want you, and I choose you, and I thank you for choosing me. And from this day on, from this moment on, I'm going to walk with you. I'm your kid. I'm your child. Thanks for being my father. Thanks for being my Savior, Jesus. Now, if that's you, if that's what you want, just in your own way, just say, yep, Lord, that's me. Last week, I think we had seven, eight people made that decision, and I'm gonna ask you, if that's you, just say in your own, yes, Lord, that's me. And that moment you do, you become his child. You're in, you're his kid. Lord, for those that are making that decision right now, bless them, show them what it means. Help us, Lord, to connect and with him and to, to, to partner with him in the journey. For the rest of their life here on this planet and then for all eternity. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Amen. Thanks again, Johnny. Yep. Thanks, well, she's going to come. I don't need to say anything about that. Let's worship. Some of you today were able to sing that for the first time with truth. You've trusted your life to Him. I want to encourage you to tell somebody. We want to walk with you. And that person sitting next to you or standing next to you that you tell, they're the ones that are going to be your best friend in this journey along. So uh, let us know how we can help you. There's a packet at the tables as you walk out. It's for new Christians on it. Pick one of those up. It's got a Bible. It's material to get you started. And you walk with Jesus. A few weeks, we've got water baptisms coming. December 18th. Sign up to get baptized in water. It'll be a great coming out party for you as well. I want you guys to know I love you. I love this church. I believe God is great things. And he is doing great things. And I look forward to the great things that he has for us ahead. Next weekend's Thanksgiving. It's going to be an awesome time together. Bring your friends, your families that are visiting with you. Bring, it's going to be, I promise it will be a great weekend. A couple weeks we've got something very special uh, happening on the first Sunday in December. And then this message today, I'll probably bump it to the end of the series. So we'll, we'll get there. But pray for us. Have a great Thanksgiving. Be thankful and walk in him. Love you guys. God bless you.